In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday uh, of the Holy Great Fast, and today the readings uh, were about the uh, parable of the prodigal son, uh, where the son and his brother are both living in the house with their father, and then one of the sons, the younger one, he decides that he wants to leave and go off on his own, and so he asks his father to give him his portion of the inheritance, and he goes and he wastes it all, and ruins his life and then in the end he comes back to his father and his father accepts him again and then finally the the older brother who had been there in the house all along was resentful that he was able to return again with no consequences and that his father was rejoicing so much at his return um, when we read actually about this parable and we, we we refer to the son as the prodigal son many people believe that the word prodigal means the lost like someone who is lost but actually prodigal means wasteful that he was the wasteful son. Like he went and he wasted everything that his father had. We read in uh, Luke 15, 29 uh, about the older son's response. And he said, so he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. At first to us, it appears that the older son uh, is the responsible one. He's the one who doesn't ask that he be given his inheritance and he doesn't ask that he go off on his own and he doesn't waste what it is is the father's. But actually if you read in uh, Luke 15 verse 12 it says what whenever the father gave the younger son his portion it says what he divided to them his livelihood. He divided to them. So he gave his livelihood actually he, he, he distributed his inheritance at that time to both the sons to both the sons so each one of them now had whatever was his lot in order to in order for him to enjoy the younger son was bold and bolder than the older to actually ask for it and ask for what he felt that was his but we see actually toward the end of the story the attitude of the older son reveals to us that all along he believed that he should have deserved this too when you, you look at the response of the older son whenever the younger returns and he says, I've been working for you all these years and you've never given me anything. It reveals to us this attitude that he has that he, even though he is living in the house and even though we don't hear of him specifically requesting that he would have his inheritance at that time, but he felt like he deserved it and he felt like he deserved something from the father. So we have to ask ourselves because in this story, the father represents God and the children represent us. How is it that we expect from God? What is it that we expect by serving Him? Are we expecting to be like these older son or younger son? That we expect that God is going to give us something? That we wait and then we say what in our frustration? God, give me my portion of the inheritance. Give me what it is that is due me because I have served you and I have prayed and I have fasted and I'm in the church and I have served and I... We feel that God owes us something because of who we are, because of what we've done, because of what we've endured. Or we like the older son, that even though we don't say it, but our attitude reflects it. That I am here, but I feel like I am owed something. And whenever we go through suffering or trial, we feel that we do not deserve this. Because what we are good people. We, we, we say about ourselves, we are good people. So we do not deserve suffering. What is it that we should expect by serving God? One thing we should expect by serving God is God himself. This is something maybe we take lightly that we would receive God himself in the midst of suffering. We, we say that we want to be in heaven with God, 
But are we saying that simply because we want to be happy? We want to be in a place without suffering, without pain? Or are we saying that because we really want to be with God? If I really want to be with God, that means that I want to be with Him no matter where He is. So if God happens to be on the cross, then I want to be with Him on the cross, meaning I want to suffer with Him. Or if God is being glorified in heaven, then I also want to be glorified in heaven. But sometimes we only look at the glorification. We, our, our, our aim is the resurrection. Our aim is the glorification. Our aim is to share Christ in His glory, in His power, in His kingdom. But what about when Christ was suffering and in pain? Are we willing to share with Him in these sufferings? This is what we're doing now. What we're doing now is we're, we're sharing in the sufferings of Christ. We're experiencing the suffering that is in the world. And we should not come to God and say, well, what is it? Why are you allowing this? What is it that I should expect? Again, in verse 31, he said, the father responded to the son and he told him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. What is it that we should expect by serving God? We should expect being with God, being with him, that all that he has is ours, that all of the, the peace of God that he has, he wants to share with us. God is not promising us anything that has to do with our physical life. He's not telling us that you're going to be wealthy. He's not telling us you're going to be healthy. He's not telling us you're going to have money. He's not telling us any of these things. And if we have the wrong idea that these are the kinds of things that we're going to receive whenever we are worshipers of God, whenever we're children of God, then we're going to be very, very disappointed. Okay? Because if you look at the, the, the most committed, dedicated servants in the Bible that served God, someone like St. Paul, for instance, whom our church is named after, he experienced none of these things. He did not experience any kind of earthly joy. He did not have family or relationships. He forsook all of that. He did not have money. He did not have like an easy time by any means. And yet he was one of the greatest apostles who wrote the most epistles. So if, if, he, if this is the way that God allowed him to experience in the world, then we can't look at, at his life and say that, well, we're going to be better than that. We're going to have more than that. Actually, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe the, the closer we, we approach God, the more God will allow us to experience these things in the world to help us to be more and more refined. So we have to set correct expectations. When we think that by serving God, we're going to have you know, comfort, maybe this is not true. It doesn't mean that some people don't have comfort. It doesn't mean that some people don't have wealth. It doesn't mean that some people don't have health. But that isn't my goal, and that isn't, shouldn't be what I necessarily expect to happen in my life simply because I'm a servant of God. Some people become disappointed and angry toward God because we have not received from Him what it is that we deserve, or what we imagine that we deserve. Just like this older son who says, well, why haven't you given to me? I've been faithful to you. I've remained in your house. I've worked for you. I've done your commandments. I've done whatever it is you want. And yet still, you have not even given me the smallest of these things. And you rejoice about your brother who has gone, or about my brother who has gone out and he has wasted all of your, 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 your possessions. And now you're rejoicing and giving him because what he has come. So we have to understand our, what is it that, that we should be expecting. Also Abraham. We know the story of Abraham that whenever he had sinned against God in the wilderness, God told him that whenever the people reached the promised land that he would not enter that he would not enter the promised land, that, that this was going to be his, his punishment, his consequence, that he would not be able to enter into the promised land with the others. And, and we look at this story and, and many times we imagine it to be such a harsh judgment on Abraham. 
You know, we think like this man suffered through so many years of wandering in the desert and leading the people and dealing with the complaints of the people. And this was a man that saw God face to face. This was a man that, that God spoke with, whose face lighted up. And we look at him and we say, how is it that this man, God could punish him in this way and that he would not receive the promised land? Well, actually, if we read at the very beginning of the story of Abraham, sorry, this is Moses that I'm speaking about. If you read of the very beginning of the story of Abraham, whenever God was first speaking to him, he says what in Genesis 15 verse 1, Do not be afraid, Abraham, Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. What is it the reward that Abraham was to receive? Was it all the generations of people that were going to come after him? Actually, it was God himself. This was the greatest reward. Maybe Abraham would never see the generations that were to come after him, but he could experience the presence of God in his life at the time. Same with Moses. Moses was like already living in the promised land all those 40 years that those people were wandering in the desert. God was the, Moses was the one who saw God. Moses was the one who experienced God. Moses was the one who felt consolation and comfort from God. So whether he physically entered the promised land or not didn't really much matter because he was already living a closer, in closer contact with God than anyone else in that whole community of millions of people that had been wandering in the desert. So again, what do we expect by serving God? Do we expect to enter into some place? Do we expect to have some physical reward? No, we should expect God himself. Another thing we should expect by serving God is peace. In Isaiah 26 verse 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Again, God is not offering us physical or material reward, just as the older son or the younger son was expecting from his father. Instead, what God is offering us, peace. And this is it, really what we want. This is what we want the most. We, we seek peace. And unfortunately, by seeking everything else, by seeking wealth, by seeking career, by seeking fame, by seeking things that we become so attached to, then actually we lose our peace in the process. And we say that we want peace, but we also want everything else that disturbs our peace. And we can't have both. We either choose to have peace, or we choose to have those things that disturb our peace, those things that make us more stressed. The book of Ecclesiastes talks a lot about vanity and the kinds of things that we seek after that actually makes us much more stressful in our life. And in conclusion, King Solomon says, and after you have worked an entire life of stress, and after you have gained for yourself all these things, you are going to die and God is going to take all your things and give it to someone else. So we have to ask ourselves, why do we do what we do? And while we say that we want peace and we want God, and yet maybe we spend our time seeking after everything else, what is it that we should expect by serving God? We should expect the peace of God. We should expect the peace of God to reign in our hearts. What else? Humility. Christ said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This uh, gentleness and lowly, lowliness of heart, we learn by being with Christ. We learn from him how to be humble, how to not answer back, how to not become enraged, how not to belittle others or to mock others or to lose our temper. This type of humility, okay? He says what? We will find rest for our souls. And, and oftentimes, like people who are easy to anger, they live in this kind of prison because everything angers them. And wherever they go, they feel anger. And everywhere they go, they feel like the, the need to lash out at someone for something. And they have no real uh, 
gentleness. They have no peace inside themselves because they're always looking at what is wrong around them. But those who are humble, they don't look around them. They don't look around them for what is wrong. They look for what is inside that is wrong. They look and discover for themselves who is it that they really are. And when they find who is it they really are, the only correct response is, is a profound humility. Because I feel that I am not deserving of anything. And I feel like every good thing God has given me, I do not deserve. Completely contrary to these sons of this father who believed that they deserved. You know, the younger son, he, he, he believed that he deserved. That's why he asked his father. He had this motive that he was going to go and waste it. He believed that he deserved. The older son also, he said, what, I've worked for you all these years. He believed he deserved. But we, when we are humble, we do not go to God with a sense that we deserve salvation or that we deserve mercy or that we deserve anything. But we come to him what with this lowly spirit and that when we believe that he has offered us salvation it is simply because he has given us a gift not because we have done anything to earn it also when we serve god we receive protection from him in nahum 1 7 it says the lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble and he knows those who trust in him so when we are servants of god we receive from him protection we receive from him that he guides us and directs us in our life so that we don't have to feel that we are wandering aimlessly and that we're going to fall into a pit. We don't have to believe that the decisions we make are arbitrary. We don't have to believe that the events that happen to me are arbitrary or that there is no, uh, there's no good in them or that there's no purpose in them. We can walk believing that even though I might experience suffering and pain and difficult circumstances, that God is working all these things for my good. And we see many, many examples in the scripture of people that went through difficult situations and then God protected them. For instance, like David and Goliath. This man, David, as a child, and he had no experience to fight or to do anything, but God protected him from his enemy. The three young youth, the friends of Daniel, they also, they went into the fiery furnace and there was nothing they could do and yet God protected them. So when we cling to God, he protects us and he makes our path straight. And even though we don't know where our life is leading, we can trust that he is leading us to a good place. Also, God, when we serve him, he grants us life. Here in this story, whenever this uh, younger brother returned, what did his father say about him? He said, it was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again. Your brother was dead and is alive again. So the existence without God is death. This, this man, this younger brother, when he was away from his father, he was considered to be dead because he was separated from his father. And yet when we serve God and we approach God, we are given life and the source of life. All of us want to live, all of us want to experience life and to experience the depth and fullness of life. And we seek after it in many different ways. But how is it that God is telling us to really experience life is what is to return. To experience life, we return. To experience life, we confess. To experience life, we let go and we surrender our will. And we surrender those things that we know are a barrier between us and God. And we surrender the sins that we cling to that keep us from enjoying His presence. Again, what we want is not just an emotional experience. All of us might experience in a, in a fleeting moment something about God. All of us might experience when we listen to a song or listen to a sermon or and just for no particular reason, we might experience some emotional um, connection at one point in time with God. But this is not what we are after. We're not looking after an experience. 
a moment or a day. We're looking for a lifetime, a lifetime of being with God. And a lifetime being with God is different. We need to live for this. We need to plan for this. We need to work in this. We need to live in such a way that we nurture this life, that it is not just a fleeting moment, but that it is an entire life where we enjoy the presence of God with us. Also, when we serve God, we should expect to receive joy. In James chapter 1, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Again, God never said that to experience joy, he would end the suffering. But he said that he would transform what is it that we experience from a negative uh, emotion and a negative experience to a positive one. He said, before, before you were with me, whenever you experienced trial, you would go, fall into despair. But now, when you experience suffering, you will count it all joy. That there will be joy because there is a sense of understanding of why. Why is it that this is happening to me? What is the purpose of this? Finally, is purpose. Here he says what? For your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. And we ask ourselves, what does it mean to be found? What does it mean for God to find us? Okay, It's a sense of finding myself. It's a sense of understanding who I am, why I was created. What is the purpose that God has created me for? And so I live according to a certain plan. I live in, in, with a sense of purpose and understanding that I am a child of God and that God created us for a reason and our entire life revolves around Him, not that He should revolve around me, that my needs are not the most important thing, that whatever He wants is more important than what I want and I live with that sense of purpose. So what do we gain by serving God? One, we said we gain God Himself, the presence of God with us. We gain the peace of God, it would be abiding in us at all times. We gain self-knowledge, which results in humility, that I know myself, and so I cannot speak against God or anyone because I know who I am. We receive from God protection. He protects us from the evil that is in the world. We gain life because He is the source of life. We gain joy despite trials and persecutions and issues and problems that we face. And finally, we gain a sense of purpose that even though we are in this life for a time, we don't feel that things here are vain for us. We don't feel like we are aimless. We feel like we live for a purpose and each day is another day to approach Him. May God grant us that we have a right understanding of what does it mean to serve God and that we would gain all these things for ourselves and be protected from the evil one. And glory be to God forever. Amen.